Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman. It is time to bring the orange with a great topic today. We've got a special guest, Justin Armstrong from Meditech. He's a security architect there. And we are bringing back Chris Bocus, our principal engineer from Pure. And we are going to be discussing cybersecurity with a slant on healthcare. Justin, welcome to the program. Great to have you. Oh, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yes, looking forward to hearing your insights, and uh, Mr. Chris Bocus, welcome back as well. Thank you. Always an honor, Rod. Ah, uh, yes. Well, thank you for making the time. Hey, Justin, I'm interested in your journey a little bit, and you know, security is not something that everybody sets out to uh, jump into as a as a career. Some are interested uh, at an early age, but how, what, what was your journey to getting involved and in getting into uh, cybersecurity that took you to your current role at uh, Meditech as a security architect? Well, I do like to say that security is a lifestyle choice, so there's some truth to it. And for me, the journey started quite a while ago. I think it was fourth grade. I actually found a copy of um, Eric Kahn's book, The Code Breakers. Oh, yeah. And I just found that to be fascinating. I couldn't understand the whole thing. I delved into some basic codes and ciphers because uh, they have the complete history of, of that in that book. It's wonderful. But then just over the years, I've always had that interest in espionage, like not the fake stuff on TV, but the actual tactics and techniques that are used. And I continue to follow that closely. Uh, so then, you know, fast forward uh, some years, you know, I, I've been actually computer programming since I was 10 and always had that, you know, mischievous bend that you need to try to break into things, to break things, see what you can do. And now I've been at Meditech for over 21 years as a developer first. And as time went on, I saw different security areas where I pointed out and said, you know, this is something that we should do differently. As time went on, it became much more of a hot topic and there was this opening. Uh, so about six years ago, I took on this role and I'd already had some visibility in the company about security because I like I said it always called attention to certain things so yeah. it's been fantastic though being involved in full-time even though I always had that interest when you take on something full-time it totally changes your perspective yeah yeah for sure and so you are in that category of somebody that really latched on to this at um, at, at an early age, which, which certainly is interesting. And I love that you, you know, you bring up the, the notion of trying to hack into or break into, you know, there's the whole white hat, black hat, you know, kind of, kind of concept of, you know, are you using your skills for good or are you using your skills for evil? And, uh, we're, we're certainly happy that you're, you're on the good side right now in, yep. in, in what you're, what we're doing. Um, Chris, what about you? What, I mean, your principal architect here at Pure, what what kind of you know things do you bump into or see relative to security when you, when you're working at Pure? Yeah, my it's the same concerns that I had when I was at Meditech, and that yeah. is it's the design of the security and when the prioritization of that design comes into play, and and there's you know there's a running joke out there that people forget that you have to have hardware to run software. All right, and so hardware is the last thing that's designed when you go and buy a big software package. People say, oh, what, what do I need to run this, right? And, and that turns into a very complicated discussion. When I was certifying products, I used to get questions that were very, you could totally tell it was coming from HIPAA, it was coming from some organization, but the individual that was asking it was asking it to check off a box, not as a design. 
And I think that too many folks go into security and they're reactionary in regards to, somebody told me I have to protect against this. So they go out and they buy a product. And it's one of two things. They buy the product that um, works with some things, but breaks other things. And um, Justin, you absolutely can justify with this because when with Meditech, it's a proprietary language, which can easily be broken. And so you buy, you know, products like NSX, uh, and then you shut everything down. Well, then Meditech can't talk to each other and you break the system. All right. So then they back it all the way off to it basically is equivalent to McAfee. All right. So you, you go from one extreme of locking everything down to backing it off because you don't really understand what holes you're trying to plug. And, and, and that it gets back to if, if, the, if the, my biggest concern is that folks need to have this security conversation not when they're designing a new infrastructure or when they're designing a new EHR, but when to better understand how to plug those holes. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly, I, you know, that's kind of the theme that I think we'll weave through this is just sort of the preventative measures, right? Which is the, you know, don't wait until something happens. There's a lot of experts out there and folks like Justin that can advise on that. But I think, you know, security is obviously a hot thing, but I think what has happened over the years is this is not just the realm of, of professionals, right? I mean, if you go back, you know, 50 years and security was very much sort of a government thing and, and you know, there were security experts, but it didn't pervade you know, the mass of humanity. And now, you know, a few weeks ago, I had a few ring cameras installed in, at my house. And now I've, you know, I've got my own cybersecurity built up uh, around the house. So, uh, you mean, things are always changing, but there's just access now. Is that part of what the motivation is for you, Justin, in this space? Just that it's, it's constantly changing. There's so many different things that you got to keep tabs on. Oh yeah, it's always exciting. It's always ever changing, ever changing from the perspective of both the attackers and defense strategies. So you, you really have to stay up to date on everything. You can't just rest on your laurels and think that you'll make it. When, what do you, what kind of things do you do to stay up to date? I mean, obviously reading as much as possible or going to conferences, but you know, what, what beyond that, cause you got to stay current, right? It is, it is a capricious and changing landscape, how do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, the conferences are actually tremendously helpful, meeting other people, talking to them, and sure, you listen to the vendor presentations, but then afterwards, you go and you talk to someone and say, well, what's the real scoop? Have you used this product? You know, what do you do? What do you find to be effective? And I'm also very hands-on. I haven't had as much time lately, but I do have um, software installed. Like, I have a little Wi-Fi pineapple. You know, it's like a rogue Wi-Fi hotspot that you can use for testing security of Wi-Fi. I have um, Kali Linux and some other tools installed, you know, hacking tools. I also have done some digital forensics work as part of a class. And I find that all fascinating. It really helps you to put things in perspective because someone can come to you and say, oh, you've had this hack. Now we need to do some forensics and figure out what happened because you don't have good logs or the logs were wiped out. Well, forensics takes a long time. Yeah. So when you know that and when you've had the hands-on experience, it really helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's good to get that perspective because, again, like, like we said, it's, it's an always changing space. I am curious, you know, when you look at organizations out there, I think it's safe to say that the really large enterprises historically and currently 
uh, do make the investments in security. But what if you're a smaller company? Like, do, does everybody have to pay? You know, smaller companies don't have as much capital to cover all these things, mm-hmm. um, Justin. So if you're a small enterprise or a smaller company or entity or healthcare organization, what do you have to worry about? Well, I have a new saying. Uh, you know, there's that famous bank robber years ago. They asked him, why do you rob banks? And he said, because that's where the money is. Yep, yep. But then today, you still see these little convenience stores getting robbed. So why do you rob a convenience store? It's not a lot of money. Well, the reason why is it's low risk. Uh, it's less likely to get caught, and the penalties are lower. If you rob a bank, it's a federal offense. The FBI comes off after you. And the penalties are much higher, many years in prison. Um, so that, that's why. And so the same thing today, there's a lot of targets of opportunity. Sometimes they hack a small organization, they do ransomware, they, it's easy for them to deploy, they can get some money out of it because likely they don't have good backups. Uh, another thing they might do is they might use your organization as a launching point. So there was a big, um, attack here up at at subway uh, shops in New Hampshire and some other places in New Hampshire and they were attacked by a little garage in Pennsylvania. It turned out their server had been taken over and used to attack these other organizations Uh, or they might do crypto mining on your machine. So there's all sorts of reasons. It might not be what you expect. uh, Chances are they're not even interested in stealing your data. They just want to use you for other things. Yeah, or they're testing it out, right? It's a trial balloon kind of thing, right? Like, so sometimes your your credit card numbers can can get stolen or there's a breach and all of a sudden you see this tiny little charge and if it goes through, then okay, let's go move ahead to, to bigger charges, right? It's sort of a, mm-hmm. a, a testing bed kind of thing. So in this... in. In that sense, I assume it's it's better to know more than to know less, right? Because I think, you know, there's the whole notion that is, is ignorance bliss. And, and if you don't know anything, you can just kind of go about your business. But it, it feels like what you're saying is it's better to know more about this and be prepared. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I go back and forth on that in my mind. Sometimes, you know, I, I liken it to we're all a bunch of little bunnies out in the field and we're all cowering in terror because there's a hawk circling overhead and we're not sure which one of us will get it. It's sort of like that, unfortunately. But the more you know, uh, the more you can uh, take effective strategies. Uh, for instance, I see a lot of people, they, they react incorrectly to problems. They think, oh, let me go do this, let me go do that, and that'll secure me. And that's not the answer. You know, like the people who just install antivirus but then they don't consider about which websites they go to or about opening emails or any kind of security awareness training. So it's, it's best to be educated as to what actually works instead of reacting by just doing something that you read in a magazine. Yeah, and I'm sure there's some little things that you can do. I mean, Chris, you know, when, when you're working with your various clients, are there some recommendations or, or, or places that you push clients to get um, how should I say, you know, better informed just so that they make the right decisions. And, and beyond that, how do you stay informed? Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty obvious. I, I go to Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. All right. Next question. then. <laughs> it, it's actually, you know, it's not that far fetched because um, when I was at Meditech and, and Justin had become the security architect, I used to stop by his office every few weeks and we would just, talk about problems, talk about issues. And I'll tell you, he's being very kind to you because if I walked into his office and said, hey, I just put in three 
ring cameras for $500 because uh, I want to boost my security. He would have said, oh, great, you get the, get the criminals on camera. Yeah. What are you doing to prevent the criminals from coming in in the first place? <laughs> he would drill me with like 30 questions and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to install signs <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, do all this. So it's, um, it, but you know, those, those campaigns that he goes to in those conferences, um, he does a lot of posting and a, there's a lot of partners out there that I really depend on. Um, and that are, are great partners with pure, to you know send us that stuff but it it really gets down to clicking on the articles and actually reading them yeah uh, because yeah, there's yeah. a lot of great information out there uh to relay and you know i got i got a great information um sent to me this morning from a a, a conference call that i was on about one of our customers that you know we 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 sometimes we get a little content even with our technology and uh some of the things that they were recommending the, that we tell our customers to start doing, a lot of it is common sense. And I think that Justin would agree with all of them. It's just, who's telling them this? Mm -hmm. That's, that's the, and that's, I think, part of this reason why we want to do this podcast is, let's start talking about it. And maybe somebody will just start listening and then they'll have some way in themselves. And, and that's, we, we all need to start doing a better job getting the message out there so that when they are, uh, when an IT guy is put into position that he has to, you know, upgrade the security because of ransomware, he knows what questions to ask and what areas he should be looking at. Yeah. I'm always telling our customers they should talk to their vendors too, because, you know, you guys do care. You're not trying to uh, you know, just to sell something to them, you want them to succeed. <laughs> right. It's good for everybody. So it's important to do that. And I find that when they go to their vendors and they talk about what more can I be doing, uh, you know, they're very helpful because they do want their customers to succeed. So I keep telling that message out there and we hope that that will spread. Yeah, well, that's part of those preventive measures. I mean, I, I used to work for really large purple server company. And, you know, whenever we'd run into security issues, one of the first things we would ask, you know, if a customer had a security issue was, have you patched the OS recently, right? I mean, those are, those are kind of those easy things where, you know, you know, we're putting patches through with security updates frequently. And when you skip a patch cycle or skip a few of them for whatever reason, I know sometimes, you know, those are challenging to put in, you're going to miss up on those up, mess up, mess, miss out on those updates, right? Mm -hmm. So those are some of the easiest kinds of things. Uh, and now everything's really heightened, right? I don't think I can go through a podcast these days without having to bring up COVID and kind of the effects mm -hmm. and lots more people working at home and doing uh, many more things digitally and the acceleration of, of digital transformation. That's been a topic that we've covered quite a bit on the Pure Report recently. But um, Justin, what what are some of the things that that you're seeing, right? I mean, even here at Pure, when, when COVID started rolling, um, we went and we, we looked at our security story, right? We, we updated that. We looked at some of the things we do and it, and it became very heightened. But what, what impact is, have you seen on that over the last six months? Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely been a problem. You know, there's a multiple factors at play. For one thing, because it's a hot topic, uh, attackers uh, have been using phishing emails that seem to be related to COVID-19. Mm. Yeah. You know, maybe it's something about HR doing something new because of this crisis. Click here. 
or maybe it's just something that has got that theme and it's interesting to the person. So they click on it or download it. Uh, another thing is, uh, you know, like you said, everybody's working at home. So that makes a bigger attack surface. And here you've got people working at home, maybe on a personal device, and maybe it's not patched and up to date, or maybe other people use the personal device like your kids, you know, kids might not have the greatest judgment when it comes to, you know, oh, here's an interesting looking website, not realizing it's actually just bait to get someone to download some malware. Um, you know, another thing is uh, a lot of organizations are cutting staffing, reducing IT hours at a time when there's more attacks than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's not helping. And then there's also the insider threat. Uh, you know, a lot of people are surprised to hear this, but hospitals are laying off staff because, you know, elective surgeries and income is all down. And yet they have, um, you know, this very uh, difficult disease to um, treat that costs a lot of, costs them a lot of money. And so because of that, sometimes the insiders are the threat. You know, we just saw Tesla, you know, totally unrelated to healthcare, but Tesla had an insider that was offered a lot of money to plant malware in their network. You know, so you see that kind of thing happening more and more where the criminals are going to the insiders direct. Yeah, well, and I think I remember I used to kind of scan the, I think Verizon did an annual security report or still does. And it was always stunning to look at the statistic, you know, every time that came out about the percentage of insider attacks and it was always a big number you know it was more than 50 percent and usually sometimes like 70 or 80 percent um or or greater um you mentioned ransomware that's also super hot mm -hmm. and and that's um well it's a topic of conversation almost all the time now that seems to be coming up what what and you mentioned the hospitals having you know sort of uh, diminished staffing for for a variety of reasons when a ransomware attack comes let's play a scenario on a hospital what kind of crippling effect does that have i mean in normal times it's going to be crippling but now you you've got you know covid and other challenges going on how does how does that play out yeah i think uh, you know Every ransomware event is a little different and like i said i've seen it evolve like early on it used to be just the end user devices that were encrypted, just a handful of them, or they might encrypt some file shares. And you know, you could clean that up relatively quickly. But then as time went on, they, the attackers started to take more time to, to reach the servers and to encrypt those. And even if the Meditech database wasn't encrypted, still the servers would be encrypted and you'd have to spend a lot of time rebuilding the software on them. Uh, but then there was something new that happened a few years back where thousands of end-user devices were encrypted. So how do you restore all those end-user devices? Mm -hmm. That's something that most organizations aren't prepared for. <laughs> Excuse me, prepared for. And, and then finally, now we've seen them where they're going after the backups. Uh, you know, they, they say, well, we know people aren't paying because they have backups. Or another pressure point they might do is they'll exfiltrate the data and say, we'll release this data if you don't pay the ransom. So, so what? You, you restored your systems from backups, but we still have this hanging over your head. Um, another thing we've seen is a lot of times people haven't tested their backups. And you talk to any storage or backup vendor, and you can hear plenty of horror stories about things that have gone wrong because they never validated the backups. They never bothered to run through the procedure to see you know, how long does this take to restore? Do our staff understand how to do this effectively? 
you know, um, and, and what are some of the problems with that process? So there's just so much that goes on. And then, uh, you know, here we are just talking about the EHR system mostly, but sometimes other systems are encrypted too. They're mail systems, they're active directory, and all these systems are critical in their functioning. And, and sometimes they just never realize, wow, you know, my phone system could go down, mm -hmm. yeah. my email system could go down. Uh, you know, criminals could be in there list, watching my emails too. So here we are trying to restore systems and shut them out. And the hackers are looking over our shoulders saying, ha, they're going to go do this. Let's, yeah. let's go block them now. You know, so there's just so much that goes on. And, and like I said, each, each instance seems to be unique. Yeah, so many different areas to exploit, as, as you mentioned. Um, Chris, relative to ransomware and, and what Justin just talked about with, with backups, I, I imagine that's something that you're, you've seen a spike that you're talking about, but um, I would imagine also you have a, a really good, you know, kind of talk track right now for some of the things that we're doing, you know, with FlashBlade, um, not only to do, you know, fast restores when needed, but also to actually do safe mode and, and do some protection on ransomware attacks. Is that something that you're, you're having in a lot of your conversations right now? I, I am, and, and it's funny because I, I catch the people off guard when I bring it up uh -huh. uh, because it's not on the top of their minds. Uh, the number one, you know, solution is, is all about in, in healthcare is uptime. All right, a high availability. Mm -hmm. Let's keep the system up. Let's never go down. Let's you know keep everything um, running all the time. And and once you get that, they kind of do a sigh. And they almost think that the conversation's over. And then you bring up disaster recovery. And they say, yeah, we, that's part of the backup solution. Well, it is, but let's talk about it, what you're doing, what are your plans? And when we start talking about some of the enhancements and some of the feature sets of Flash Array and FlashBlade, the customers perk back up a little bit. And they say, wow, wait a second. We've always wanted to do that stuff, but it's always been too expensive. And then we talk to them that we don't really nickel and dime them with all the licensing and all the storage fees on both sides and blah, blah, blah. And we walk them through the process and all of a sudden they, they're very much aware of uh, that they have a DR solution sitting in front of them, especially when we start talking about customers that are, we already have current customers that are looking for DR solutions and didn't even know what their flash array was capable of doing. So, um, it's a, it's a great story. It's also a story that I believe that should probably get a couple of notches up in the priorities. And just like the hackers are taking advantage of COVID, show, we should be too. And we should be talking to them about the surrounding security and, and talking to them you know, about password protection and making sure that while you're getting this really cool Ferrari of a storage solution, Let's make sure that it's protected. Make sure that your purity operating system is at the right level to take advantage of some of these enhancements that we have. Let's talk about air gapping or virtual air gapping your data so it's off-site, so somebody that does hack that particular array does not have access to those backups. And just like what Justin just said, test your backups. Come up with ways um, even in cloud block store, we could actually co create environments where we can test backups and the customer can feel good that if, or I should say when they get an attack, they're going to be able to come up um, in a very, 
reasonable time. And then with Flashblade, it's it's uh, even better than reasonable. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, and I think and that's, you, you, that's one of the things you learn. No, that's all right, Jess. That's one of the things you learn, right? Yeah. Is 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 when something happens, how how good was your backup and recovery strategy to to get back in? Justin, go ahead. You you were going to add something. Yeah, no, I was going to say Chris had brought up something to me that I hadn't really thought about before. We always talk about protect the backups. Yeah validate the backups, go through a test where you actually restore to a server. But one thing you brought up when we were talking about this earlier uh, was uh, that the speed of res restoration is mm -hmm. extremely important because, you know, you go and you restore and then you find out, well, this, this backup for some reason has corruption, you know, because it wasn't validated, it wasn't tested, or this one's out of sync, or this one, uh, it's not unlikely that when you take the backups that you're restoring something that got corrupted because the ransomware might not have been evident immediately. Uh, so it might've been running for some time or some of the malware may be stored on that machine. So it's important to have that speed so you can restore, uh, check it out. And if that one doesn't work and go to the next one. And so we have seen cases where sometimes you have to go through several backups before they get to a good one. So I think that's an important point that I actually hadn't thought about until we had a discussion the other day. Yeah, we kind of like jokingly in, in the space say that, you know, in general, backups are easy. It's the restores that, that can be challenging or take a long time. So yeah, go ahead and do a lot of backups and, and we facilitate those things and, and we partner with a lot of other companies that have great software solutions that do that. But it's what, you know, how quickly can you get that restore off of the proper backup as well? Um, as, as you mentioned, and it's great to partner with, with someone like, like Meditech, Justin, what, you know, we're doing a lot of things as, as Chris just described at, at the hardware layer and with our purity operating system, but, um, what kind of things are, are you looking at and what is Meditech doing, you know, to prevent, identify these attacks and, and what do you view as good outcomes? Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, about, Actually, I guess it's 12 years now ago, there was the Conficker virus that spread by SMB shares. And so at Meditech, we made a concerted effort to get rid of our use of SMB shares as much as possible. And so when there was the big WannaCry ransomware, I, I don't know for certain why, why our customers didn't get hit. It could be because th that we had lessened our use of SMB shares, so it made it more difficult for the attack to succeed. Uh, so that's, I find that as a success story and that we're always looking to improve security. Uh, you know, for instance, Expanse, our latest web-based uh, uh, software, uses a lot of uh, the latest technologies in it. Like we've got Apache web server, we're using SAML tokens, uh, where we've hardened the environment. We've done a lot of things to make it as secure as possible. So it's exciting to see how things have developed in that way. Um, you know, I kind of lost track of another part of your question. Oh, yes. So what else are we doing? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're also um, have been doing a lot of outreach. Like for the past five, six years, I've been doing a lot of presentations. Uh, I have a monthly newsletter. We send a lot of information to our customers because sometimes they don't have time to read through all of this and separate out the good content from the bad. Uh, so I was, thankfully here in Boston, it's a cybersecurity hub. Yeah. Uh, there's something like 80 cybersecurity companies in the area, some ridiculous number. Uh, there's a very active security community. So I have gone out to these different conferences and local events and 
met with them and taken that information, distilled it for our customers. Uh, we've also been able to help them more one-on-one. -on -one. For instance, sometimes we've had customers, even small ones, bring in a virtual chief information security officer and we've talked through different things with them and improved the security stance of that hospital. You know, sometimes you find that even though we might have instituted a new protection, sometimes the customer didn't know about it and it wasn't implemented right. So, so it's great to have that dialogue one-on-one -on -one with customers. I find that to be very helpful too. Yep, the more you know, as, uh, as the old TV, the TV commercial promo or a public service announcement was, right? The more you know, uh, the better off. Well, what's, what's next, right? As we kind of, we kind of close, um, what's on the horizon? I think, you know, one of our, our principal uh, solution uh, or system engineers does a, does a talk track on ransomware and he, he positions ransomware as a business, right? It's, it's like, it's a, a multi-billion dollar industry now globally where you can actually you know, go on websites and figure out how to do this stuff. Scary, right? Um, how do we stop that? What else is coming? And are, are we able to bring some of these criminals to justice? Are we resolving some of these things? Yeah, unfortunately, because there are still organizations that pay, and I just heard a presentation the other day given by Mandiant where they talked about some people are paying, you know, six and seven figure ransoms. Uh, it's really worthwhile to these organizations. So they're going to exert more effort. So they don't spend all that money on drugs and fast cars. They do take some of that money and put it back into the business. So they're getting better and we're getting worse because of this drain on us. So it's, it's something that can't go on forever. We have to figure out how to stop that. I was at one conference. I really liked what one guy said. He, he said, you know, these people aren't from Mars. They're not doing some kind of special magic. They're real people sitting in offices in real countries, and we need to go and figure out how to grab them. And there have been some success stories. Uh, unfortunately, it takes a long time because oh, yeah. you know, to make a case and then to, to get the person is difficult. But a couple of my favorite success stories were uh, there's this Russian guy who did a lot of credit card theft. And because it was such a huge amount, millions of dollars, uh, they actually went after him when, when he was on the va vacation in the Maldi Maldives. They actually arrested him there and extradited him. Uh, even though the Maldives doesn't have an extradition treaty, they made an exception for him. Nice. Or, or even that local case they mentioned about the subway, the um, local Secret Service agent, Matt O'Neill, who I met a few times, he uh, has a great story if you Google it. Uh, he, it's called he flirted his way to a bust. He, pre, he pretended to be a woman and lured the criminals here for gambling events where he, where he as a woman supposedly would meet them and give them a special tour at Foxwoods and things like that. And, and when they came, they were so shocked that they got arrested. They didn't even realize yet that, that this person, Crystal, that yeah. he was speaking with, that they were speaking with, wasn't actually a woman at all but a, a male secret service agent that had been working all this time. So there are success stories and, you know, I, I'm glad to see the awareness level is raised. So I see that more and more customers are acting on this. So there's hope. Uh, we just have to hope that, that uh, customers implement these controls before it happens to them. And I think that's really the theme and it's great to have individuals like you looking after this, right, for, uh, for the users and the customers that you work with. Uh, Chris, final thoughts? What's, what's your recommendation from the pure perspective to kind of sum up what we've covered here? 
Yeah, I think that it's very, very important that we're, we're talking um, and that we're, we're actually bringing this up in front of the customer and asking them. Um, it, we're not trying to infringe, but we are trying to infringe because it's better that we infringe than a criminal infringe, yeah. right? So, you know, and, and I think that any of the Puritans out there that might be listening to this, I think that, you know, sometimes we feel that we have, we, we really, you know, we do a really good job of protecting our stuff and, and making our stuff real easy for customers to use and everything. But, you know, the, the alert that I got today, I mean, the, these folks were able to go in, uh, disable flash array alerts, set re replication retention to zero days, delete all local snaps, eradicate protection groups. I mean, Literally, anybody that knows the storage, right, that, that is some serious damage. They deleted all of their backups that the customer had, okay? So we have to make sure that we understand our house is protected, and we're making sure that customers are following security recommendations from people such as Justin, from, from other individuals that are out there that deal strictly with networking. We can't have storage administrators trying to dictate what's best for the network sometimes. It, we, we need to really help these folks out, even if we give them checklists or give them guidelines. Um, and we also need to make sure that our current customers are protected. You know, the, we have that um, amazing product safe mode for Flash Array and Flash Blade. It is, it is not a silver bullet by any means, but it absolutely plugs a hole. I mean, if you think about it, if the administrator cannot delete then a hacker is not going to be able to delete it. That allows us to say at least you have one protected copy. Of course, we're going to work with the customers to make sure that they have the ability to offset their snaps and, and bring them up to a public cloud or bring them to a flash blade in a different locality. And, you know, there's a lot of really good best practices that have been talked about for a long time. And I think that Pure actually allows the customer to start think about actually implementing them. And, and that's a, that's a great, great, you know, um, goal for all of us to, to start talking to the customers about that. So uh, that's awesome. That's a great summary on that. Well, thank you both. This has been super enlightening, super interesting. Um, love the, the anecdotal, uh, areas that you added into Justin and, and Chris and, and some of your experiences. Hey, uh, Justin, where do we go to find out more about you connect with you on social media, uh, any presentations or, or talks coming up that you want to point people to? Sure. Yeah, like just last week, I did a podcast on Security Weekly, and I posted that on my LinkedIn profile. Great uh, also, play. next week, we have the Physician and CIO Forum. So I'm giving a talk to update our customers on some of the latest trends in cybersecurity, the latest threats, and also a bunch of reminders on best practices to implement. We also have... Um, Sam Fielding from South Lake uh, Regional Hospital in Canada, who's going to be speaking about digital security. And he's always uh, excellent. And he's going to provide some information about a near miss. Now, my session will be recorded. So that'll be available to our customers. Uh, so sometimes I do some webinars that are available publicly and some are not because we want to keep our customers safe and be able to share with them a lot of information that we don't want the hackers knowing about. 
Of course. No, that makes sense. Well, uh, check out Justin on LinkedIn and uh, at the Physician CIO Summit. Hey, give us a plug on this podcast too while you're uh, while you're talking too, right? Get folks <laughs> get folks listening in. That would be awesome. Um, Chris, what about you? Where where do you want to send folks for more general information on what Pure does in in the healthcare vertical? Yeah, all the all the Puritans should be going to the healthcare page and taking a look at what we're doing for all the EHRs and for all the um, the imaging, um, artificial, you know, intelligence, everything that we're doing out there. Um, we we've got uh, a lot of different you know groups that are are working hard and and you know what this is a topic that applies to everybody. So I think that it's it's important that we we get this podcast posted and. Um, you know, we're always here to answer any questions. Awesome. Well, reach out to uh, Justin and to Chris. Uh, great healthcare vertical team that we have here at Pure. And Justin, it was a pleasure having you on. Would love to have you on in the future if you are up for it. Certainly. Thanks for having me. Great discussion. Always a pleasure. No, thanks very much. I always love doing these when I learn something too. About it. Just, you know, it's all about continuous learning. So. Thank you for that. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Pure Report. Uh, Keep giving us feedback and sending in topic recommendations. We'll keep bringing great guests like Justin and like Chris. And with that, we will close for Pure Storage, Justin Armstrong, Chris Bocas. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you.